Mr. Cicilline. Mr. President, distinguished senators, as we've demonstrated, there is overwhelming evidence that President Trump incited the violence and new violence was foreseeable on January 6th. He knew that many in the crowd were posed for violence at his urging. And in fact, many in the sea of thousands in the crowd were wearing body armor and helmets and holding sticks and flagpoles. And then he not only provoked that very same crowd, but aimed them at the Capitol. He literally pointed at this building, at us, during his speech. He pointed to the building where Congress was going to certify the election results and where he knew the vice president himself was presiding over the process. Now, no one is suggesting that President Trump intended every detail of what happened on January 6th. But when he directed the sea of thousands before him who were reportedly ready to engage in real violence, when he told that crowd to fight like hell, he incited violence targeted at the Capitol, and he most certainly foresaw it. My colleague, Manager Dean, will stand up after me and walk you through the overwhelming evidence that supports those claims. I want to start, though, by talking about what happened after that. There was a lot of discussion yesterday about what the President knew and when he knew it. There are certain things that we do not know about what the President did that day, because the President, that is, former President Trump, has remained silent about what he was doing during one of the bloodiest attacks on our Capitol since 1812. Despite a full and fair opportunity to come forward, he's refused to come and tell his story. As Manager Raskin said, we would all do that. In fact, I would insist on it. If I were accused of a grave and serious crime that I was innocent of, I would demand the right to tell my side of the story. President Trump declined. But there are certain facts that are undisputed that we know to be true despite the President's refusal to testify, which his counsel either ignored entirely or didn't and couldn't dispute. Before I go to those facts, let me quickly just touch on a few things. First, President Trump and his counsel have resorted to arguments that the evidence presented was somehow manufactured or hidden from them. And I want to be very clear about this because this is important. In terms of the timing of when they received materials here, defense counsel had access to all materials when they were entitled to have them under Senate Resolution 47. And they cannot and have not alleged otherwise. As to their desperate claim that evidence was somehow manufactured, they have not alleged that one tweet from their client was actually inaccurate, nor can they. We got these tweets, which are, of course, statements from the former president, from a public archive, and they are all correct. You also know the President's claims about evidence being manipulated also are untrue because they didn't even object to the introduction of the evidence when they had the opportunity to do so. So I hope we can now set those issues aside and turn to the facts of this case and really set the record straight about the undisputed facts in this case, about what the President knew that day and when he knew it. And at the outset, let me say this. As you may recall, in direct response to a question yesterday, President Trump's counsel stated, and I quote, at no point was the president informed the vice president was in any danger, end quote. As we walk through these undisputed facts, you will see quite clearly that is simply not true. 
As you can see here, from just after 12 p.m. to just before 2 p.m., President Trump delivered his statements at the rally, which incited an initial wave of, 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 of riot protesters coming down to the Capitol. And his speech was still ongoing, and, and you, you saw the evidence of people broadcasting that on their phones. He finished his speech at about 1.11 p.m., at which point a much larger wave surged toward us here at the Capitol, ripping down scaffolding and triggering calls for law enforcement assistance. 30 minutes later, at 1.49 p.m., as the violence intensified, President Trump tweeted a video of his remarks at the rally with the caption, quote, our country has had enough, we will not take it anymore, and that's what this is all about, end quote. During the half hour following that tweet, the situation here drastically deteriorated. Insurrectionists breached the Capitol barriers, then its steps, then the complex itself. By 2.12, the insurrectionist mob had overwhelmed the police and started their violent attack on the Capitol. And as you all know, this attack occurred and played out on live television. Every major network was showing it. We've shown you during the course of this trial, side by side, exactly what the president would have seen on TV or his Twitter account. We've also shown you that he would have seen around 2.12 p.m. images of Vice President Pence being rushed off the Senate floor. Now, I won't replay all of that uh, for you, but for timing purposes, here's the footage reacting to Vice President Pence leaving the floor. No audio. They, the they just cut out. It looks like they, they and sometimes the Senate like they just ushered Mike it. Pence out really quickly. Yes, they did. That's exactly what just happened there. And they ushered Mike Pence out. They moved him fast. There was, yeah, I saw the motions, too. Defense counsel seems to suggest that somehow the president of the United States was not aware of this. That the president had no idea that his, his, his vice president had been evacuated from the Senate floor for his safety because violent rioters had broken into the Capitol with thousands more coming and with the Capitol Police completely overwhelmed. This was on live television. So defense counsel is suggesting that the President of the United States knew less about this than the American people. This is just not possible. That the Secret Service failed to mention that his Vice President was being rushed from the Senate for his own protection. That nobody in the White House thought to alert him that none of our law enforcement agencies raised a concern to the commander-in-chief that the vice president was being evacuated from the Senate floor as a violent mob assaulted the Capitol. That simply cannot be. And with each passing minute on the timeline of events on January 6th, it grows more and more inconceivable. Let's continue forward in time. Between 212 to 224, the Senate recessed Speaker Nancy Pelosi was ushered off the floor. The Capitol Police announced a breach and a lockdown, and the insurrectionist mob began chanting, hang Mike Pence. And it was unfolding on live TV in front of the entire world. So again, let me ask you, does it strike you as credible that nobody, not a single person, informed the president that his vice president had been evacuated, or that the president didn't glance at the television or his Twitter account and learn about the events that were happening. Remember, this was the day of the Electoral College. 
Remember his obsession with stopping the certification. It's just not credible that the president at no point knew his vice president was in this building and was in real danger. Senators, I submit to you these facts, this timeline is undisputed. At 2.24 p.m., after rioters breached the barriers, after calls for assistance, after rioters stormed the building, after Vice President Pence was rushed from the Senate floor, and just before Vice President Pence was further evacuated for his safety, President Trump decided to attack his own vice president on Twitter. The undisputed facts confirm that not only must President Trump have been aware of the vice president's danger, but he still sent out a tweet attacking him, further inciting the very mob that was in just a few feet of him inside of this very building. The vice president was there with his family. He was in danger for his life. They were chanting, hang Mike Pence, and had erected a noose outside. And as we've shown, the mob responded to President Trump's attack instantly. The tweet was read aloud on a bullhorn, if you remember that video. Insurrectionists began chanting again about Mike Pence. And in those critical moments, we see President Trump engaging in a dereliction of his duty by further inciting the mob in real time to target the vice president with knowledge that the insurrection was ongoing. And that's, of course, included in the conduct charged in this article of impeachment. The former president's counsel's suggestion otherwise is completely wrong. His further incitement is impeachable conduct that continued during the course of this assault itself, and it's part of the constitutional crime and was entirely and completely a part of his indefensible failure to protect the Congress. Now, there's been some confusion as to the phone call I referenced with Senator Lee. So I want to be clear about certain facts that are not in dispute. First, Senator Lee has confirmed that the call occurred at 2.26 p.m. So I've added that to the timeline above. Remember, by this phone call, the vice president has just been evacuated on live television for his own safety. And Donald Trump had, after that, tweeted an attack on him, which the insurgents read on a bullhorn. And a few minutes after Donald Trump's tweet, he didn't reach out to check on the vice president's safety. He called a senator to ask about delaying the certification. The call was interrupted. As Senator Tuberville has since explained, and I quote, I looked at the phone and it said the White House on it. I said, hello. The president said a few words. I said, Mr. President, they're taking the vice president out and they want me to get off the phone and I've got to go, end quote. That was his second evacuation that day. A minute later, live feeds documented the insurgents chanting, Mike Pence is a traitor. At this point, even if somehow he'd missed it earlier, it's inconceivable that the president, the former president, was unaware that the vice president was in danger. And what does the president do after hearing that? Does he rush to secure the Capitol? Does he do anything to quell the mob? Does he call his vice president to check on his safety? We all know the answer to those questions, too. 
there can be no dispute. He took none of those steps, not a single one. Even after learning that senators were being evacuated and that Vice President Pence had also been evacuated, he did nothing to help the Vice President. And here's some more evidence uh, that we've since learned. At some point over the following 30 minutes, President Trump spoke to Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. And as Representative Jamie Herrera-Butler has revealed, evidence that now has been stipulated as part of the evidentiary record. In that conversation, Kevin McCarthy is pleading with the former president to do something. He first tries to uh, assign the blame to another group, and Leader McCarthy says, no, these are your supporters, Mr. President. And what does the president say in response? Not, I'll send people right away. I didn't realize you were in danger. He says, well, Kevin, and I quote, I quote, quote, well, Kevin, I guess these people are more upset about the election than you are, end quote. I guess these people are more upset about the election than you are. The president, just as he conveyed in that tweet at 601, was essentially saying, you got what you deserve. Let me say that again. Not only was the president fully aware of the vice president's situation and the situation that we were all in when he was asked for help, when he was asked to defend the Capitol less than 30 minutes after inciting this violence against his own vice president, President Trump refused that request for assistance. And he told us why. His singular focus, stopping the certification of the election of his opponent. He incited the violence to stop the certification. He attacked the vice president and further incited the insurrection to pressure the vice president to stop the certification. He called Senator Tuberville to stop the certification. And he refused to send help to Congress. And this Congress and the vice president of the United States were in mortal danger because he wanted to stop the certification. And he did these things, attacking the vice president, calling Senator Tuberville, refusing Representative McCarthy's request with full knowledge of the violent attack that was underway at that point. He chose retaining his own power over the safety of Americans. I can't imagine more damning evidence of his state of mind. The call ended with a screaming match interrupted by violent rioters breaking through the windows of Representative McCarthy's office. Senators, the president knew this was happening. and He didn't do anything to help his vice president or any of you or any of the brave officers and other employees serving the American people that day. His sole focus was stealing the election for himself. And he apparently has still not thought of anyone else. According to more new facts revealed last night, the vice president's team does not agree with the president's counsel or the president's counsel's assessment either. The report, and I quote, says, Pence's team does not agree with the Trump lawyer's assessment that Trump was concerned about Pence's safety. Trump didn't call him that day or for five days after that. No one else on Trump's team called as Pence was evacuated to one room and another with screaming mob nearby. Objection. This is not in evidence. 
in evidence. If you wanted a stipulation the, uh, for this, you the uh, council will sit down. Senators, remember one chair has no way of knowing what uh, materials evidence or not. The um, council for the will have a chance to speak. Uh, the and the chair, the chair will consider the issue. Senators, remember, as one of you said during this attack, they could have killed us all. Our staff, the officers protecting all of us, everyone. And President Trump not only incited it, but continued inciting, inciting it as it occurred with attacks on his vice president, and then willfully refused to defend us furthering his provocation and incitement by the mob, siding with the mob, siding with the violent insurrectionists, criminals who killed and injured police officers sworn to protect us because they were, quote, more upset about the election than Leader McCarthy. Those facts are undisputed. President Trump has not offered any evidence or any argument to disprove them. His lawyers almost entirely ignored these facts in their short presentation. We have only his counsel's false claim yesterday that, that, quote, at no point was the president informed that the vice president was in any danger, end quote. A claim that is refuted not just by common sense, but by the timeline you have seen and also the vice president's legal team. So there can be no doubt that at the moment we most needed a president to preserve, protect, and defend us, President Trump instead willfully betrayed us. He violated his oath. He left all of us and officers like Eugene Goodman to our own devices against an attack he had incited and he alone could stop. That is why he must be convicted. And I'd like to conclude by making one final point that follows from, directly from what I just discussed. Our case and the article of impeachment before you absolutely includes President's Trump's dereliction of duty on January 6th, his failure as insider-in-chief to immediately quell or call off the mob, his failure as commander-in-chief to immediately do everything in his power to secure the Capitol, that is a further basis on which to convict, and there can be no doubt of that. The ongoing constitutional misconduct is like any continuing offense, and the proof of that is overwhelming. Most directly, his dereliction of duty offers conclusive, irrefutable evidence that he acted willfully as we charge. He wasn't furious or sad or shocked like virtually everyone else in America. He was reported by those around him as delighted. Rather than rush to our aid or demand his mob retreat, he watched the attack on TV and praised the mob to Leader McCarthy as more loyal to him, more upset about the election. And that was all that mattered. His reaction is also further evidence of his intent. He, exact, he acted exactly the way a person would act if they had indeed incited the mob to violence to stop the steal. Moreover, as I've shown, President Trump's dereliction and desertion of duty includes his decision to further incite the mob, even as he failed to protect us. 
While the mob hunted Vice President Pence in these very halls, he attacked Vice President Pence. While he tried to stop the steal, he spread the big lie. We all saw how his mob responded in real time. This further incitement was part of his dereliction of duty, was also part of his course of conduct, encouraging and provoking the mob to violence. President Trump's dereliction of duty also highlights how foreseeable the attack was to him. In his tweet just after 6 p.m., he said, and I quote, these are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. This tweet continued his endorsement of the attack, his failure to condemn it, his desertion of duty. But it also reveals his view that this was, of course, what would happen when Congress refused his demand to reject the election that he continued to tell his supporters was stolen and he had actually won in a landslide. Again, he wasn't surprised. He saw this as a predictable result of his repeated demands that his followers stop the steal by any means possible. This was all connected. His dereliction of duty, his desertion of duty was part and parcel of the crime charged in the impeachment. And it's certainly a basis on which to vote for conviction. If you believe that he willfully refused to defend us and the law enforcement officers fighting to save us and that he was delighted by the attack and that he saw it as a natural result of his call to stop the steal and that he continued to incite and target violence as the attack unfolded, we respectfully submit you must vote to convict and disqualify so that the events of January 6th can never happen again in this country. Mr. President. I'd like to call up Ms. Dean. Mr. President, I've got a, a point of order. Mr. President, moments ago, um, no. House no. Manager Cicilline no. <coughs> uh, reported again. I, I, the uh, Senator will withhold. I'm advised by the parliamentarian that Debate is not in order. I appeal the ruling of the chair that debate is not in order because this is not debate. He said something the, that's not the, true. Uh, the absence quorum has been suggested. There's clearly a quorum, sir. And the clerk will call the roll. Consent to suspend the quorum call. Is there objection? Their objection is heard. Madam. Mr. President. Uh, Majority Leader. I ask unanimous consent the quorum be dispensed with. Uh, objection so ordered. Mr. President. The Senator from Utah. I withdraw my appeal. The uh, appeal withdrawn. The uh, chair would advise everybody. Um, the evidentiary record is closed. SRES 47 described the scope of those things not uh, admitted to evidence as those referenced in trial. New evidence is not permitted in closing argument. References to such new evidence will be stricken.